Fuck I talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to Buckeye Talk, another Market Down Monday here with Cleveland.com. I am Nathan Baird. He is Doug Maurice. Stephen Means, finishing up his furlough as we record this ahead of time so you can all have it early Monday morning. Doug, last week, Stephen and I took the time to talk about what we missed the most about you, maybe what we didn't fully appreciate until we had missed you. Anything you would like to say about missing Steven this week and how much you're looking forward to having him back. I do just like having more people to disagree with. Like if we had 13 people on this podcast and I could just yell at 12 other people, um, I like it. So yeah. So just a wider variety of uh, positions for me to argue against uh, is something that I have uh, come to realize I do enjoy. If you want more targets, you want to run the run and shoot of argumentative dialogue. I like to spread it around. Yeah. You know, I'm getting a heavy dose of Baird this week, but I like to spread it around, get some other people involved, and then, uh, you know, come in and make a hard tackle. A heavy dose of Baird, uh, a prescription no one wants to get. Now, speaking of having more people involved in the conversation, we are trying to put together a Zoom call for our listeners I, I know you mentioned on a previous pod, has there been any update on that, or, or what should people be looking for with that? Uh, we're talking about it with the boss. We don't have anything finalized on a date or anything yet. The tech subscribers will be the first to know when we do finalize that. Just so you guys know, we've done this with our Browns tech subscribers a couple times, and we did one last week um, all about Baker Mayfield. We did one earlier in the year as, a, as an NFL draft preview. So we know that it works. And on those Zoom calls, you get 100 people in. So um, and I will just tell you that we, we did not have the full hundred for the Browns. And if, and when we do this thing, when it's going to be, when we better get a hundred for Ohio state, the people better come out. Cause I know you will, I'm super pumped for it. We just have to figure out a little bit of like what form it's going to take. If we're going to have a topic, if we're just going to tr- kind of do questions, but basically the thing Nathan is cool about it is I love the text subscriber interaction here, but it's not a call in radio show. We get the, we get the questions right. ahead of time and then we read them. This is live. This is people can ask us questions in the moment. Um, they see our faces, we see their faces and it's, it's a live back and forth. So when we do it, and it will be soon, it's going to be super awesome, and I would encourage anyone, 614-350-3315, get in on it for free. Get in on it, take one of the 100 spots, and then like get out and, and don't even pay us money. Be sneaky about it. We don't care. Try the text. This is an extra reason to do it. I hope that our tech subscribers actually are not the first to know. I hope I am the first to know that we are doing it because I need a haircut in a, in a oh. serious, serious way. So there was a time a couple of years ago when I, my family and I are, they're very, very aware of this. I decided that when Matthew McConaughey was doing all those car commercials after True Detective <laughs> yeah. and he was driving around, I decided I wanted to grow my hair out like Matthew McConaughey in those car commercials. Really, so, if, if we stop and think about it, that's really the only thing standing between you and full McConaughey status. Was yeah. There. So the quest for McConaughey, as I called it, was quite a thing in this household. That was at a time when we actually were allowed to get haircuts. I just chose not to get one in the quest for McConaughey. So at the moment, 
it is the quest for McConaughey, the sequel, but it's been forced upon us. But it's gray. It has some weird, crusty gel in it, but it's flowing, baby. So everyone will see it when we do the Zoom. My hair is a mess. Wow, interesting. I have a large head, and my hair grows really fast. And in high school especially, I grew it out fairly long. It was a, it was a, it was a disaster, and I'm I'm trying not to go back to that stage. But this this situation has made it difficult. We uh, I uh, my my fiance did her best to give me a little trim the first time she'd ever cut someone's hair in her life. I thought it went pretty well. We didn't have the best tools to use for that. I thought it went okay, but I think I'm going to go to a professional for the second time through, and I think she will be happy to hear that. I uh, am excited because when we do the Zoom event, you can share other media with everybody on the Zoom. So if you provide a photo of your hair in high school, we can show that show that to everyone. I actually am not allowed to. My uh, hairdresser and I are still in litigation, so I can't legally show those. It's 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 in the sealed files of the case as that lawsuit goes forward. I'll pay for it. I'll pay the fees <laughs> to get it. Moving right along to the real reason you're all here for Market Down Monday, we asked a question this week that I thought was important because it, it's it's we it's a it's a topic that's sort of come up through conversations with our texters who feel like maybe we have taken a stance already on this, and now we get to kind of put it out there. What is our stance on how we feel about this player? What is their true stance on how they feel about this player? It gives us some clarity maybe as to what we're expecting out of Ohio state running back Trey Sermon as he begins his first season with the Buckeyes. We still have not seen him do anything in even Ohio state warmups, except when he walked into the facility and walked out, I guess, uh, um, earlier this week. So our question was, will Ohio state running back Trey Sermon be first team all big 10 in 2020? Two running backs are selected for each of the three teams. So will he be one of the two running backs selected first team, all big 10? Doug, in the time that you've been covering Ohio State football, how many Ohio State running backs have been first team, all big 10? Are you asking me because you want to know or because you're giving me a trivia question? Both. Do you know the answer or am I supposed to come up with that? I thought it was not that many. I thought we actually had already discussed that it was kind I, of maybe it was something that came up through the textures. I can't remember. I bet. Uh, I mean, Ezekiel was Ezekiel Elliott even first team All Big Ten? I'm sure he was in 2015. In 2014, it was the year of the running back in the Big Ten. Uh, was Carlos Hyde? Was Beanie Wells? I mean, they've had some standout dudes, um, and then they also have had some very good teams, like with some good running backs who weren't, you know, future NFL stars in the making. Whether that was Antonio Pittman, whether that was Dan Heron, um, you know, they have been very successful with guys. And Dan Heron had actually had a, had, had a, you know, numerous years in the NFL, but you don't have to have Ezekiel Elliott or Archie Griffin to be great at Ohio state. So um, I think that's an interesting part of this conversation. We're specifically talking about sermon, but again, I, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit, you know, well, if he is or isn't first team all Big Ten, what does that mean for the Buckeyes? But, um, you know, I guess I would guess probably it's Elliott and Beanie, and that might be it. I don't know if Hyde made it or not. I don't know the answer, actually. I thought maybe you did. Uh, we'd been part of your research. That's like, right? a, that's like a lawyer, right? Don't ask a question on the stand that you don't know the answer to. That's right. Uh, my, my point, my greater point, though, was going to be that this is a league that I think is – 
still known as a running back league. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? Yes, partly because the quarterbacks in this league always stink. So it's got to be known for something. But yeah, I mean, it's still... And defense. Yeah. I, I think and defense, which is also going to come into this discussion. I don't think, you know, the old stereotype, the three yards in a cloud of dust stereotype of Ohio State, which is of, of the Big Ten, Ohio State and the Big Ten, is certainly not really true about Ohio State anymore in terms of being limited that way. But I think it somewhat applies to the Big Ten, kind of, um, and not in a bad way. But yeah, I still think it's a league that probably you think running back before you think quarterback still. We're going to get more into a, a Trey Sermon-specific discussion, obviously breaking that down from all angles. But to finish up this conversation, in order to determine whether you think Trey Sermon will be first-team All-Big Ten, I think you have to give some consideration to the other running backs that are in the Big Ten right now, and obviously the other running backs on Ohio State's roster, which we'll also get into in a little bit. But last year's All-Big Ten running backs – Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, the obvious one-two choices last year, and both of those guys are now on NFL rosters. Among second-team selections, there were two on both media and coaches. I use Stevie Scott is back. Minnesota's Rodney Smith is gone. And then among third-team guys, three of the four are back. Uh, Illinois' Reggie Corbin is gone, but Ohio State's Master Teague is back. Michigan's Zach Charbonnet is back. Michigan State's Elijah Collins is back. So... Four contenders who were on the first three teams last year, which I think does sometimes help a guy, especially from the media vote, probably even also from the coach's vote, is there's already an opinion in your mind of this guy being a good back. He is maybe just building on a reputation you already have, expectations you already have for him, or surpassing things you've already seen him do. Did that factor into your decision eventually? Do you think there are enough – do you think there are so many – enough running back talent in the Big Ten for next season that it makes it hard for Trey Sermon to be first-team All-Big Ten. Can we start the podcast over? Because just as you talked, I just realized that there are two first-team All-Big Ten running backs, that it's not just one. So, like, I might – it might actually change my answer. Like, I really – I wasn't even well, – You haven't answered that. yet, so – It's like you... one – I was like – it's like, will he be the first-team running back? It's like, no, there's, there's two of them. Because I was thinking to myself – you know, boy, J.K. Dobbins is going to be mad if Trey Sermon is a first-team All-Big Ten running back when J.K. Dobbins was blocked by Jonathan Taylor. It's like, no, they both were last year, you stupid idiot. Um, that does matter. Absolutely. Of course. And and if Jonathan Taylor was still sitting around, um, or if Saquon Barkley was returning at Penn State, that would you know Michigan State if Le'Veon Bell was returning at Michigan State there have been again we talked about it this is a league that's produced some good running backs if there was a guy coming back yeah uh Tevin Coleman at Indiana that would affect it um so that there is opportunity here but I do think one person you always have to consider in something like this when you're talking about voting for all conference is Wisconsin running back X mm -hmm. yes right I don't care who it is and I actually the guy who I think it's going to be based on, you know, reading two stories from Wisconsin writers. I watched some highlights of him. I like him. So it's about not just and with all this stuff, right? When we're talking about voting, when we're talking about stats, that's not the same thing as talking about skill and impact. Um, so I do think opportunity will factor into that. And there are just enough teams in this league that feature the running back and feature kind of a 
running back who's going to get the the bulk of those carries that that I think even if they aren't huge names right now that does work against Trey Sermon a little bit. Are, are, so for 2020 with Wisconsin, I, I actually cut myself off after I was I was reading those second and third ones. I didn't get down to the other guys I was talking about. So who are you who are you hearing at Wisconsin? Because there's there were several names in play. Well, as I like to say on this podcast, when I and I rail against national people who are talking about like Ohio State things and they don't know about it, and I say all they do is know what they, the only stuff they know is what they read that we write. I don't know anything about Wisconsin. I like I like Google. That's what I'm saying. What are you reading? Yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin depth chart, Wisconsin returning starters. This Nikia Watson guy looks good to me. He had 74 carries for 331 yards uh, last year, 4.5 yards per carry. Again, limited action. You're watching highlights of him. It's like they gave him a series early in like a non-conference game against a stinky team. He runs north-south. He looks like a bowling ball. He hits a hole quick and hard and he just looks like the kind of guy who might gobble up seven yard chunks throughout the big 10 season and i thought he looked productive i thought he looked like what you think a wisconsin running back looks like and i think people listening to this know that i've never been jonathan taylor's biggest fan i thought that you know i didn't think that he had such an exceptional skill set and lots of other people think otherwise i mean he went pretty high in the nfl draft you know, some people think, yeah, this guy actually has like a great combination of vision and elusiveness and speed and whatever that Jonathan Taylor has a complete package. I thought Nakia Watson looked like a guy that, yeah, I could see that guy getting 25 carries a game and putting up big stats at Wisconsin. So I think that definitely factors into me. And he, he, like, he looks to me on highlights like a very different runner than Trey Sermon. And we'll get into what kind of runner Trey Sermon looks like. But Watson, I don't know if he has, is going to break away and have 60-yard runs. I think he's going to hit holes, break tackles, and be a very consistent force in that offense. And I do know there's some other – there's a, a speed guy people talk about. There seem to be some other guys in that mix there. But he has a good little highlight film for 331 yards. And a lot of our texters who responded mentioned Wisconsin running back X, kind of like you're saying. I mean, many, many of them did say, oh, you've got to always – assume that Wisconsin's going to have a first-team All-Big Ten running back. I don't think any of them named Nikia Watson, but they're all saying kind of the same thing you are, that your first assumption is somebody from Wisconsin's going to be in the mix here because they have the offense and they set things up to really kind of showcase a running back. The other guy that needs to be mentioned is Penn State's Journey Brown. He was an honorable mention All-Big Ten guy last year, but his kind of lasting impression from last season or his, his final impression of 2019 was running for 202 yards in the Cotton Bowl. So he's a guy that I think is coming in with some buzz this season. He's someone that is upwardly mobile in people's minds as maybe being like the next guy to step up and, and be a big 10 running back star. Um, so now let's go into the Trey Sermon specific discussion. Like we said, we haven't seen him in person do anything yet. He obviously wasn't with Ohio state yet in the one practice we got to see earlier this spring. And then, um, we were so we were so excited that we were going to get to see four or five, however many it was, spring practices, and um, we ended up having to just look at the walls of our apartments and, and homes all spring, uh, as you all did too. And but that still wouldn't have helped us see Trey Sermon. We're going to hopefully get his our first look at him playing football in an Ohio State way pretty soon. We have seen him in some off-season workout uh, clips that got put out there on social media by his running back coach. Um, I guess just from what you've seen there, what we've seen on film, we've had this discussion before, so probably don't need to draw it out, but we've seen 
moments of explosiveness from him. We've seen impressive things from him. It's just been a matter of whether he can consistently put it together and whether he can stay healthy. The Big 12 stinks at defense, man. Yeah. God, watching some of those highlights. So I don't I don't intend to sound like a hater on Trey Sermon in the course of this podcast. And I'm not going to pretend that I watched Oklahoma snap to snap during his career. So what is my, and I have not had in-depth conversations with his running backs coach at Oklahoma or his high school coach or Tony Alford, right? I mean, I'm just, I don't know. It looks to me like he piles up some yards against crappy Big 12 defenses, and a lot of his highlights are like in the fourth quarter when they're up 45 to 12. Mm-hmm. You know, that he looks like he had chances where he would come in against a clearly overmatched and worn down defense and then pop through some stuff. And again, this is the nature of highlights. His big stuff comes through big holes. And that's a point I want to get into on this. I rewatched J.K. Dobbins' highlights, having watched every carry of J.K. Dobbins' career, but having a terrible old man brain. I rewatched J.K. Dobbins so I could have a fresh view of these are what Trey Sermon highlights look like, and these are what J.K. Dobbins' highlights look like, and they look different. And that's part of what I'm hung up on. And maybe it's not fair, but they have different running styles. You can see this, the quality of the defenses that Trey Sermon ran against. And a lot of what I'm going to end up thinking about, and maybe this isn't fair either, is, well, it can Trey Sermon be like J.K. Dobbins, right? Because we know J.K. Dobbins is, a, is an all-Big Ten first-team running back. And I did, by the way, look up how many running backs have been first-team all-Big Ten since 2005, since I started covering this team. And it is four. Antonio Pittman did make it in 2006. Beanie Wells made it in 2007. Carlos Hyde made it in 2013. And then Ezekiel Elliott made it in 2015. And then J.K. Dobbins would be on top of it. Yeah. So five. So that's the level, right? So it's like, again, Antonio Pittman was really good. Really good. 1,200-yard runner for a team that was undefeated number one the whole year. So um, can Trey Sermon be that? I'm, I'm even skeptical of that because what I see from Trey Sermon just seems like when there's a gigantic hole there, he'll run through it. And he seems like a big guy. I, I know some of the texters mentioned his patience. Um, I just have, a, have three things that contribute to my singular question. One is sort of his style of running. Two is the terrible defenses he faced in the Big 12. And three is his injury history. And is this guy going to make tough yards when there isn't a hole there? And that is what lingers over my discussion of him. And so, you know, he he has sort of like the build for it. But on the other hand, like I like bowling balls kind of. He almost seems a little upright and tall to me. And I just don't know – if you slam him into a hole on second and six when there's not much there, what's he going to do against a good Big Ten defense? And that that lingers over everything I think about this. So I, those are all valid concerns, all brought up by many of our tech subscribers who respond to this question. And I had some of the same concerns. I mean, I'm looking back at just, you know, Pro Football Focus is someone that we cite a lot on this. I think they do a good job of looking kind of beyond stats and and really looking at film and coming up with their assessments of people. In 2017, Pro Football Focus said that Sermon had the highest elusiveness factor in the Big 12, to use their term, and he had 57 missed tackles, forced 57 missed tackles in 2018, which was third in all of Power 5. But every time I hear those numbers, I'm thinking in the back of my head, 
okay, but yeah, but that was in the Big 12. Would he have had that same kind of, would his elusiveness had looked the same against Big 10 defenses, which are better than Big 12 defenses across the board? I also have some concerns about some other areas, and we're going to explore all those a little bit more. But I do think there are a couple of ways, and, and Texter's pointed these out, that there's the opportunity might be very good for him. And part of this question is how good does he really have to be to be first team all big 10 behind this offensive line? Exactly. So you have, that's one thing you have going for him is the offensive line. And I guess the other that we have to answer is what will be the opportunity as far as role. There are people who think he's going to come in and establish himself as the clear number one, partially because of the injury situation at, in the running back room as a whole, but they think he's going to come in and take it over. And then we have a lot of other people responding that they still see a split here. They see him maybe maxing out at like 60%, 65% and that master Teague and, or Marcus Crowley and, or whoever else is going to take up enough carries that it just won't be possible for him to get the kind of production. Was that in your mind at all, that even if he stays healthy this year, that maybe the running back situation at Ohio state won't allow him to have the kind of production, those stats that we've talked about that you need in order to be at the top of these kind of award lists. Yeah. And, and I think, again, that's going to be a combination of the strategy that Ryan Day and Tony Alford decide to employ in terms of keeping these guys fresh in a game, keeping them healthy through a year when you have all three of them coming back off of injuries And then also, I just don't know that any of them are like a bell cow back. I don't know that any of them profile as a – because you could see – we talked about this a lot with Master Teague last year. He got – I mean, it was third team all Big Ten because he gained 700 yards a lot of times in the second half after J.K. Dobbins slammed into people in the first half and helped wear a defense down. I don't know that we – I don't know that any of these three guys are the wear the defense down first guy. They all feel like more like the the guy who comes in after the defense is worn down. And if I if I see Trey Sermon make another cut in the open field against Texas Tech with a 35 point lead, my God, I think if you make a if you make a, a Texas Tech tackler miss, it doesn't count. Uh, he has a lot of his stuff that elusiveness thing you talked about with Trey Sermon. It's in the open field. It's, I, I, you can see it. It's like he gets through a big hole and then he makes a cut on a helpless, overmatched Big 12 linebacker. And that's just not like the the reality in the Big 10 against the good teams. That's not how it's going to work against Penn State or Michigan or a team like Wisconsin, who I know is not on the schedule, or a team like Iowa, maybe even like Indiana, a Tom Allen defense. Like it's just going to be harder. You're not going to be – even with a good offensive line, you're just not going to be blowing through a huge hole and having all this time and space to make a linebacker miss. So I, I think they're going to have to, they're all going to have to carry a load like they've never carried it before. And that means I don't think they're going to ask any one of them to carry it. I did a quick little thing here. How many games did J.K. Dobbins and Trey Sermon have at least 15 carries in college? In J.K. Dobbins' first two years, he had 11 of those games. He had four as a freshman and seven as a sophomore. Trey Sermon, in his first two years, he had eight of those. So not that many fewer than J.K. He had three as a freshman and five as a sophomore. 
But then last year, J.K. Dobbins had 12 of those games. 12 of the 14 games, J.K. Dobbins had at least 15 carries. Last year, Trey Sermon did not have a single game where he had at least 15 carries. Mm -hmm. So he has not been asked to be a a guy like that. Now, some of those games, no running back for Oklahoma had more than like seven carries because Jalen Hurts was like the primary running back. I get that. But I'm just saying, if you think that he is going to come in here and like run it 18 or 20 times a game, like he has not done that in a full year and he's been hurt twice since he really kind of did that. Cause he got hurt at the end of 2018 and then didn't really do it after that. And then he got hurt again in 2019. So that has to factor into me the load you're expecting from him. If you're expecting 20 carries a game, you're basically expecting something from him that he really hasn't done in quite a long time. And we talked about this before, back around the time where he committed that since the what the Kansas game late in his sophomore season so like early November his sophomore season maybe mid-November something happened he got hurt he only carried the ball one time that game and he has not been the same since then and it may be a chicken before the egg thing there like did that just open the door more for Kennedy Brooks and so then Kennedy Brooks was able to take a bigger part of the offense or be, or did something happen that game that limited Sermon so Oklahoma just didn't use him as much because he didn't have more than 11 carries in any game last year, as you pointed out. And that's definitely something that I think to keep in mind as you're trying to assess what he's going to do this season. I certainly did. Um, and with that, I think it's time to just mark it down. It's time for us to say whether we think he's going to be first team All-Big Ten or not. I'll go first. And I'm going to say... Before I do, I'm going to say there were there were basically obviously it's a yes or no question, but I broke the nose down into two categories, two subcategories. One was no way he's not going to be first team All Big Ten. The other one was no but, which was a little bit more of an optimistic. They were either saying no because of this reason or no, but he's. I think I fit into a category that says no, but I don't know that that has any bearing on how good Ohio State's offense will still be in 2020. People have said have said that about me a lot. No, but that guy (laughs) has no, but my jeans just like hang from my waist to my knees. I have no, but go ahead. Yet another thing holding you back from full reconnaissance status. True. I got to work on my mullet and my, my juicy butt. And you're like Texas drawl and, and my coolness and my handsomeness. I get it, Nathan. I'm not Matthew McConaughey. I was not the one who put that comp out there into the world, by the way. I just want to put that on the record. I was not the one floating that. I was not the one who said I could eat that whole pizza, Stephen. I can be. I can be Matthew McConaughey. To be fair, I think I came closer to being Matthew McConaughey than Stephen came to eating that whole pizza. Anyway. Well, at least you at least attempted it. You You didn't just bow out before you ever even got out of bed that day or whatever. I do have a picture. When I reached full McConaughey, I, oh, I, did, I froze the photo on the TV screen of him in the car commercial. And then I took a picture of me next to him and, and asked my family how much I look like him. And then they kicked me out of the house. I think if that's not on Twitter by the end of the day, Monday, then we've failed our listening audience. No, just texters get it. You got to subscribe oh, okay. to the text to get McConaughey. That's how we I make didn't, money. I'm sorry. I didn't realize we could send the texts, send photos through the oh, text. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Get ready. Nice. 
Okay. Actually, I should know that because people have sent us texts. Some people have sent us photos of things they've seen. So um, anyway, back to marking it down. I'm in the I'm in the know, but I don't know that that actually tells me anything about it doesn't make me think it's holding Ohio State's offense back in 2020. I think he can still be a really productive player. I just think this is going to be an offense that is going to have to throw to set up the run, kind of how you were talking about. I don't see him being kind of the battering ram, the guy that you put out there like you did with JK to wear guys down. Not that he didn't also have the explosiveness around the outside. Um, I do think this is going to be a great offensive line. I think this an offense that any running back can score a lot of touchdowns in. And I do think early in the season, I think Trey Sermon is going to be the guy to start the season. I would say just what we've seen, what we've heard, I would be surprised right now if I had to pick whether or not Master Teague and Marcus Crowley will be active for the Bowling Green game. I would maybe probably guess they'll both be inactive for that game. If the schedule stays as it is now, and we don't push anything back and we start on time just because it's a game you should probably be able to win without them. So that's a game that I think he gets to kind of, entrench himself a little bit and if he can go out and produce and stay healthy I think maybe it is a thing where he stays in the lead of this job all year I just don't know that he's going to get to the upper echelon stats that get him first team status and I also think that there is enough there are enough other guys in the Big Ten who probably will be more featured in their offense and who already have maybe a reputation within the Big Ten that will win out and and win those votes I think we may look back and just and just talk about like how interesting it was to watch Ohio State sort of patch it together at running back in 2020, and that like game to game, even maybe we didn't know who was going to get the most carries, who was going to have the most yards. We have not really talked about Steel Chambers very much yet. That's like the one right. guy in that room who's like completely healthy, as far mm-hmm. as we know. Like if we're sitting here after three games and like Steel Chambers in three games has like, you know is averaging like 14 carries and 70 yards a game. And it's like, man, we weren't even talking about him. Like that wouldn't shock me. Um, I just think, I just think we, we don't know how it's going to go. And I don't, I, again, I hate talking about injuries and I hate putting, you know, any players names to like projected injuries, but there's just enough stuff going on that. I mean, I don't know. We have three running backs who are all dealing with stuff. Are they all going to make it through unscathed? Right. I mean, I feel like, right. There's going to be times when guys get dinged maybe. Maybe they're out for a half or maybe they miss a couple games that I just think it really is going to be patchwork. And, again, as, as people know, I have dropped my prediction that I, I think this team very, has a very good chance to win it all. So I don't know that it will stop them from getting where they want to go. But I think it might, be, it might take some work to, to paste it all together. So is that also a no vote for you? That's a no. That's a no from me. And I mean, this is like the hugest cop out of the world, like totally prepared to be totally wrong. Right. Because. But but I will say if if there's any comparison of like, well, J.K. Dobbins like didn't look good as a sophomore, then look how good he was as a junior. You know, that's not what the deal is with Trey Sermon. Right. That mm-hmm. he has multiple injuries that he dealt with. Um and it, it it's just a different situation. So I don't think like that's an accurate comparison of like, if you're looking for, well, you know, guys who kind of were better than they were the year before, I just feel like there are things kind of like in multiple ways that are kind of questionable about Trey Sermon. Now, again, this guy was a big time recruit. He played at a big time program. There was a time 
You know, he has had games right before he got hurt for the first time in 2018. He had a, like a 150 yard game and a 200 yard game, like back to back. And you could see it. Maybe it was starting to come, but again, we haven't seen it since then. Right. And I just want to, as I prop up my no, the end of 2018 and the big 12 championship game, he carried it 18 times for 65 yards against Texas. So that's like, you know, that's like a, a heavy load that day, but 18 for 65, you know, that's not yeah. game changing. And then uh, against Alabama in the playoff semifinal, he carried it nine times for 19 yards. So you could go back through JK's career. JK like didn't do anything in the Rose Bowl at the end of 2018. So you can go back through JK's career and find games where he didn't do much against good teams. Not last year. You look at last year for JK, JK like carried them. JK's racking up like 30 carries and you know 180 yard games down the stretch for a team trying to win a national title. So I think a lot of my reaction on this is is just trying to make sure people don't expect that. But what JK Dobbins did, JK Dobbins wasn't just all Big Ten, and he certainly was. I mean, JK Dobbins was one of the great running backs in Ohio State history and arguably the best running back in the country, or at least in the top group of two or three or four guys for the best running back in the country. So definitely don't expect that. Could he still be good enough to be first team all Big Ten with not a lot of guys back? Certainly possible, but I'm a pretty solid no. So this is one of the reasons why I thought this would be a good topic is because from our texter's opinion, I think there's this read out there that we are like really down on Trey Sermon, that we are like selling Trey Sermon as a productive Ohio State running back for 2020, at least in a portion of our listenership. And I thought we should just dispel that. Even if we're saying, no, we don't think he's first team all Big Ten, I don't think I'm necessarily, I'm certainly not saying that I don't think Trey Sermon's a good running back who's going to be productive in this offense or can be productive in this offense. Um, one of our texters is Marlon from the 734. Mark it down. I'm glad you guys are catching on to that. Uh, this is Doug's big whiff of 2020. By the way, Doug's big whiff, the worst selling cologne in the history of Etsy. Um, Trey Sermon will be great, especially early on while Master and Marcus are getting up to speed. He'll be first team along with the PSU back, Journey Brown. There's some other people um, from the 541. I think Doug will be looking back on his impression of the Trey Sermon transfer the same way he looks back on the 9-3 and three prediction for 2019. So I think you're saying – that's kind of what you're saying, that, like, you're definitely leaving open the possibility that, like, maybe he puts it together. Maybe he stays healthy. Maybe he – is electric and against the balance, the rest of the field in the big 10, that just kind of rises to the top. He can have that kind of season. I'm, I'm also leaving the door open for that. I just, there are enough other factors there that make me think that's not the safe bet right now. I just think, again, as I stated a million times on this, a lot of times I push back against the reaction, not against the player. So I just think that there was some reaction when this guy immediately, when this guy immediately got here, that was like, he's here to save Ohio state. And it was like, eh, he hasn't really done, you know, uh, he has, if he's what he was at his best, if he's the best of Trey sermon, then, uh, then yes to everything. Then yes to like first team, all big 10. Yes. To a huge part of the Ohio state offense as the number one guy. Yes. To like, big time NFL draft prospect. If he is absolutely the best version of what you saw for kind of a kind of brief period of time at Oklahoma, because a lot of the other stuff you saw was again, making Texas tech linebackers miss in 30 point with 30 point leads. 
then he can do it. I just think it's hard with what has happened with him the past year and a couple games in 2018. I just think it's very hard to expect that. And here's a, here's a, here's an important point I want to make on this because we have talked about, and I wrote about a couple months ago, how Ohio state seems to be working the grad transfer portal to perfection in terms of finding very specific guys to fill very specific needs. And then they turn out to be like really good. So Jonah Jackson is a starter at Rutgers. He's a starter. He's Rutgers best player. And he just wants to go somewhere where he has a chance to win. So there's no questions about Jonah Jackson. And he comes to Ohio state and he's a first big 10 offensive guard. And he's a great grad transfer. Justin Fields, not a grad transfer, but immediate eligibility as a transfer. Justin Fields, there was nothing wrong with him. He just was in a weird spot where he was kind of blocked, right? But there weren't any questions, right? There weren't any red flags about Justin Fields. It was just like, why didn't Georgia play this guy? He was a five-star recruit. He's the number two recruit in the country. Trey Sermon's not that. Trey Sermon had a job, got hurt, then kind of was like not as big a part of the offense and kind of lost ground to the other guy and got hurt again. So like, don't lump him in the Justin Fields, Jonah Jackson bin, at least in terms of expectations in, in being like, Oh, well this guy's going to just walk in and be a first team all big 10 guy. Cause he just has a lot more to think about than either Jackson or Fields did. I will say, I think there's a scenario where if Trey Sermon comes in and is, quote, just what he was at Oklahoma, he can still kind of be a savior for Ohio State because... If he's the best of what he was, the best. Not if he was just what he was last year, though, right? Okay, right, right, right. But uh, yeah, okay. But what I'm saying is if, if the injury situations for Teague and Crowley linger to where they're not really options for 2020 then just having a pretty good running back in Trey Sermon suddenly seems like a huge deal. Oh, and that again, is like, you can have like 400 different discussions around this. Like, right. will he help them? Yeah. Are they better off with him than without him? Yes. Yeah. Um, is he a savior? No. It, and again, my opinion is, is he first team all big 10? No. Is he a guy who's going to be like, a dominating offensive force against the best teams and the best defenses that Ohio state plays. No, but can he help them beat Clemson and Alabama and Michigan and Penn state and Oregon? Yeah, I think he can help, but you can help. You can, you can have nine carries for 51 yards or you can have, 14 carries for 62 yards in an important game and help on certain downs, but like be far from like the main star of, of an Ohio state victory. So Doug and I are both taking the under on first team, all big 10. We're going to come back and get to our reader questions. I did want to, or I'm sorry, our reader answers, texter answers. I should say, I did want to mention one thing real quick. We mentioned pro football focus earlier in some of their numbers, or at least I did. And, Earlier this week, Pro Football Focus came out with its list of the NFL draft prospects for 2021. Clemson's Travis Etienne was number one, a guy we've talked about many times on this program. Number two 
was Trey Sermon, the number two running back prospect going into the 2020 season as they see it for the 2021 NFL draft. And there were a couple of texters, because I included that in a text that I sent out, and we also wrote about it. A couple of texters said they were going to be no's, and then they heard that, and it swayed their opinion. Were you surprised that he was ranked that high on that list? I love lists like that, and I think it's super fun, and I think it's what the offseason is, like, all about in college yeah. football. But, yeah, I was surprised and like, I don't know. Like, they know more than we do, but how do you? I mean, really? I don't know, right? I mean, what are they – they're basing it on – again, I think they're basing it on making Texas Tech linebackers yeah. miss two years ago in 30-point blowouts. And I will say it's two different things, right? It's, it's, you know, all the time we'll be watching the NFL draft and they'll be doing the blurb and uh, Chris Berman, whoever will be like, well, you know, this guy um, showed some things, but never really got healthy enough to like put it all together, but he's still getting drafted pretty high because people like him athletically. That can still happen. Even if you never put a season together that gets you the stats to elevate to first team all conference status. So, we're going to come back after the break with our texter answers. A very split decision among our texting audience. I thought it was interesting. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk, talking about whether we think Ohio State running back Trey Sermon will be first team all Big Ten in 2020. The text vote could not have been closer. 34 to 32. Oh, actually, technically 34-33 would have been closer. Okay. I'm just saying it was, if one vote goes to the other side, it's 33-33. That is very close. And I guess, but I guess, again, neither of us probably surprised by it being that close, right? Not really. And as I first saw the text coming in, they were coming in on one side of the answer. And then later texts came in kind of on the other side of the answer, and that's what actually pushed that answer over the top. Do you think it was yes or no winning with 51.5% of the vote? I'll say yes. Yes, one with 51.5% of the vote. But then what I thought was interesting was, like I said, I broke it down between no but and no way as to whether people thought it was like just completely dismiss it. And actually no way had more of the no vote than no but did. Well, that's because people are marking it down, right? People they are, are marking like, it down. So yes. If, or they're like, no way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I w- the ones who were saying no, but it wasn't like they were hesitating whether they – they were all saying no, not first team, but we think he's still going to be really good, or, or but he'll definitely be second team, or et cetera, et cetera. The ones who were saying no, but had like really distinct reasons why, well, he, you shouldn't even really consider it because of this reason, this reason, this reason. So um, we'll get into some of this, but of the people voting yes um, – there's some people that really feel like it's it's the fact that Ohio State's offense is going to be so fantastic in 2020 that whoever's running the ball there, um, in some cases, literally whoever's running the ball from the 813. I think he's not getting enough credit from you guys at the pod, but I think he'll, he could absolutely be a first team all big 10. And mostly because I believe if Doug put on some pads and hopped in the backfield, he could potentially lock up an all conference award behind that offensive line himself. You don't have to be stellar to run through holes that a pickup truck could comfortably cruise through. And that is exactly what I expect the O-line to do this fall. First of all, I'm a little offended by this because I believe of the three of us, myself, you, Stephen Means, I believe I'm the only one who played high school football and I played running back. Uh, Okay, stop the pod. (laughs) 
You were a high school football running back. In- I was. I was a halfback in a in a wishbone offense for one year for the Jamaica Cardinals. The stellar nineteen ninety three season. It's funny. There actually is a question that I have backlogged. We get so many great tech subscriber questions. We can't get to them all. Uh, asking what the three of us, what our position would be if we played for Ohio State. I thought and we answered that. Did we? I thought we had one like that one time. We can do it again. Um, we also have one that's backlogged about how many push-ups each of us could do. There's some stuff that we can really go down some rabbit holes of how unathletic we are. Um, that's very interesting. I, again, my no but would probably work against me in being a running back. But the point of anybody, like, like you don't have to be that good. Um, I mean, that Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis gap, right? Yep. You can imagine mm-hmm. there being there being some room in there. But I just I just will say the Big Ten plays defense. And one of the one of the things we all have to factor into this is like could could Trey Sermon in the framing of this question pile up enough yards against the bad teams, against the Rutgers and the Buffaloes and teams like that to sort of pad his stats. But the other point is some of those easier games are early and how healthy will he be, right? I mean, like if he's eased into it at all, maybe he won't get to pad his stats against Bowling Green and Buffalo and Rutgers who are all, you know, in the first third of the schedule. So, um, but if you want to, if the basis of your yes argument is Bayer Munford, Harry Miller, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, Nicholas Petit, Frere, and Paris Johnson, that's a pretty good argument. It's not a bad argument at all. Honestly, I think this this offensive line could do some really special things. But again, as we talked about, I guess we'll see. We'll see what, what Sermon really has in this capacity. But I also definitely see an offense that could work backwards a little bit. It's not even really working backwards that much in the modern era of football. Like you've got all these receivers. You've got all those options. You've got Justin Fields, who himself is a dual threat. So running back will just probably not be as primary of a usage position as it was last year with jk dobbins would be my assumption um it was someone else from the 317 i i think there are probably 50 plus running backs in football you could plug in and be first team all big 10 i don't know that i go i know what they're saying and it's the argument that we're making about how good this offensive line and this whole offense could be i don't know that i go that far i do think if you go back and look year by year first team all big 10 guys at a, a very very high percentage are guys who tend to go on and have a legitimate pro career, some kind of presence in the NFL, not necessarily getting up there and starring. That's really, really hard, but they're also not flashing the pan guys. And they're not just, I think a lot of times just system guys They're guys who do it for a long time in college, or they're guys who have real talent. I mean, you're, you're talking about it just in recent vintage. You're talking about Dobbins and Taylor from last year. You're talking about Saquon Barkley. You're talking about really big time running backs. So I don't know that I think you could just take anybody off of any roster or, or one of, you know, I, the top two running backs from every power five team. I don't know. They could just be first team all big 10 because this offensive line is so good. The other thing is just in terms of like all big 10 voting when Ohio state's good, sometimes like half the all big 10 first team is Ohio state guys, or maybe not quite half, but like they'll put, you know, if there's, if there's 22 guys offense and defense, I mean, Ohio state will have eight or nine, mm-hmm. you know, there's such a dominant force in the conference when, when they are at their best and they get such credit for that, that sometimes that seeps into it. So again, a lot of this, it's more fun to talk about Trey Sermon performance, but when you're talking about like balloting strategies, 
if the Ohio State offense is putting up like 50 points a game, like it, the whole first, the whole offense might be first team all Big Ten. Yeah, and let's it's it's also going to matter like if Michigan and Penn State both have like a couple of losses and maybe they don't really rise up and Ohio State just smokes through everybody and just has one of those seasons where they really do crush everybody. It may be a thing where it just kind of carries the whole. It's like at the Oscars, like a, the Best Picture winner sometimes like carries a bunch of other like awards along with them, and uh, he could be kind of wrapped up in that that sort of movement, I guess. Um, I want to go into some of the no answers. Actually, I'm going to get to one more yes answer uh, from the 602. I think he's going to exceed expectations. This is Brett in Phoenix. I think he's either going to exceed expectations or be a total bust. He is to player production what Doug is to prognosticating season records, all or nothing, crying emoji face. That said, I am an optimist. So Trey will enjoy 227 carries for 1,675 yards with 12 touchdowns. His primary backup will be Mayan Williams to start the season. Think Teague's role last year, and eventually Williams will hit the freshman wall and give way to Marcus Crowley during the second half of the Iowa game. These are getting really, really, really detailed. I wish we had enough time to go through every single, like, super detailed text that we get. Thank you, Brett and Phoenix. I don't know that I I see, like, it being that much of a dice roll on Trey Sermon, that he's either going to be elite or he's going to just be nothing which is kind of what this seems to be alluding. I, I, although he is, at the end of the day, Brett did say put up some pretty gaudy numbers for Trey Sermon as well. Yeah, I mean, I do – sometimes you just miss on some of this stuff. I'm trying to – and this is not really fair, but I remember the basketball program like 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago, got a transfer from Temple named Anthony Lee, who I think maybe had like led mm-hmm. the NCAA in rebounding or something the year before, and it was like, oh, Anthony Lee is going to come in and like make a big impact, and it was like, meh. You know, that like you just sometimes you change the context around a guy who has had success in a pretty good place and you change the context and you're just like, oh, yeah, we just kind of misread that a little bit of what his ceiling was. And so that's part of where I am, too, that I I just think it's possible um, that when you change the context with him that I just for lack of a for lack of better analysis, I just like wonder if he's like a Big Ten running back whatever that means. You know what I mean? And that basically means like, can you break tackles and be successful against a big 10 defense? I'm, I'm saying again, cause there's a couple points I want to get to, cause I want to give some textures that I have text from about this, uh, some credit, but go back and watch a JK Dobbins highlight reel from last year and watch JK Dobbins for as good as that offensive line was. And they'll be even better this year, but watch JK Dobbins like, go into sort of like a pile and emerge and watch him. Yeah. Sometimes he'd get out there wide and, and, and make a cutback move and go. And you saw that the one of his runs against Clemson was really that, but there were times in the big 10 where he just, you couldn't really tell from like on the TV view what was there. And then he was at the second level. And that's where I wonder about Trey Sermon. When you have some good Big Ten defensive tackles, some good Big Ten linebackers clogging stuff up, and it doesn't seem like there's something there, and you've got to break maybe two tackles before you really have a chance to do anything, that's where I have a little bit of question. I thought I had um, saved some texts about one more topic that I wanted to go to on the yes side, which was Trey Sermon as a receiver. We got several answers, so maybe I just didn't find one that stood out to me. But several texters 
wrote in to say they think that he'll be such a big part of the running game that that will boost his stats up. Or, I'm sorry, enough as a big part of the passing game, receiving game, that'll boost his stats up to first-team all-conference level. And people talking about upwards of 30, 40 catches. And I just wanted to point out, it's actually one of the things that I maybe, again, I'm taking the under on that kind of production from him in the passing game. In his career at, Ohio, uh, at Oklahoma, uh, 36 receptions in 37 games, and he had a high of 16 as a freshman. That's Trey Sermon. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, by comparison, had 23 last season. So obviously Ohio State will use the running back to some extent out of the, the passing game, and that obviously the 23 catches for Dobbins doesn't include at least one big miss. Obviously people remember from the college football playoff and another one that I don't actually really credit him for being a drop. It was a tougher catch to make, but another one that kind of stands out in people's minds. But the opportunity is possibly there for production out of the receiving game. I just don't know that I'm thinking it's going to be three, four receptions per game and his numbers really pile up because of that. So that's one of the things I wanted to mention, and I can't find the text. Again, we get so many texts, and I, I responded to this person, and uh, but I can't find the text now to credit them. But they know who they are. Uh, they sent like a really detailed text, and they were referencing uh, Bill Green, who is a guy who has covered Ohio State recruiting for like a really long time and just has a really good view on the program. And I respect what Bill Green has to say about things. And I, ha I did not hear this firsthand myself, but what the texter is saying is that Bill Green thinks Trey Sermon has a lot of potential. Bill Green is high on Trey Sermon and talked about his pass-catching ability. And what this person said was that like the idea that if, if Ohio State had Trey Sermon last year, they would have beaten Clemson because he would have caught those passes that you're talking about, Nathan. One that was a pretty bad drop and one that was a more difficult catch but could have been made and sort of forced Ohio State into field goals instead of touchdowns. And I understand what that person and is explaining and that line of thinking. And I would just say, um, I don't know if Ohio State gets into those positions if you don't have J.K. Dobbins running the ball down the field on the drives to help get into the red zone and to help, you know, put away – Penn State and Michigan and Wisconsin, the Big Ten championship game. So, again, that's the kind of thing that I that I push back on a little bit. When you start, if you if you start going towards stuff that's like every running back's different, they all have different skill sets. But man, I if by if at some point this year you're thinking, boy, I'd take Trey Sermon over J.K. Dobbins, like I'll be shocked. And I understand that's not what those guys are saying, but they're just pointing out his pass catching ability. Um, that's a bonus to me. That's great. And, and that's not really predicated on the running back. I mean, it's the running back has a skill set, then Ryan Day has to decide how that works into the offense, and Justin Fields has to decide how often he might take that as a check down. But that's a bonus. You, you need a running back that you can rely on to get yards when you need it in this league. And, and I'm that's 85% of what I care about with Trey Sermon, and the other 15 is what he does as a pass catcher. Well, especially because you have so many other options to catch the ball on this offense too. I just I don't know how much I expect them to like make the running back a a heavily targeted receiver in this offense. And you can see it, and you can see some of his Oklahoma highlights again. And I, this inevitably happens with me. I just sound like a negative Nelly about guys, but some of his highlights is like you know a swing pass. You can see it's like wait, wait, wait. The quarterback doesn't see anything. He finally gets to his check down. He throws a swing pass to Trey Sermon, who doesn't have a defender within six yards of him. And he picks up like 20 yards. And it's like, well, that's a good play. That's a good productive play for that offense. It, you know, you catch a wide open pass and you run 14 extra yards because nobody's around you. 
again, I mean, great. It's a great, it, it's how you win. You got to take what's there, but I'm, I'm limited in like how excited I can get about plays like that. But again, if, I mean, if Ohio state throws a, tw- a swing pass to, to Trey Sermon and he's wide open and he gets 20 yards, you'll take it every time. So I'm kind of conflicted in some of that, but it's not like he's, you know what I mean? Like he's not, he's not making diving catches over the middle. You know what I mean? But that's not what running backs have to right. do. Running backs have to catch little swing passes and screens and check downs that usually hit him in the hands. And so if he has that, then Ryan Day and Justin Fields, but Ryan Day and Justin Fields will decide how much that's used, not Trey Sermon himself. Correct. So getting into some of the no answers, which again, were it was, it was razor thin margin. Um, from the 614, my guess is that Sermon and Teague both make all Big Ten, but neither makes first team. This is uh, someone guessing a grand total of 3,100 yards and 30 touchdowns for the running game, which I think that's good enough to get a shot at the national championship, they say, which I, I think I probably agree with that. Uh, but they're, they're topping Sermon out at 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, Teague 900 yards, nine touchdowns. I was still getting a lot of, and this surprised me a little bit, a lot of the responses still – or maybe for the first time, kind of swinging back in the Master Teague favor. Like I thought for a while, maybe it was a time where we were almost higher on Master Teague than some of the texters were. And then, 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 then the injury happens. So you think, well, maybe that takes him off kind of out of their consciousness altogether. And now he's kind of come back with a vengeance for part of our listening audience and our texting audience saying they're still expecting him to be a huge part of 2020. And I guess that's out there as a possibility, either him or Marcus Crowley, or both, um, being one of the reasons why maybe Trey Sermon doesn't just get a huge portion of this offense and that he has to give some of those yards and touchdowns to someone else. And Justin Fields on top of that. I think in the end it could be that nobody is right on what what the running back situation is going to look like, right? I think you might be right. I think, And I really like – I think – and I think I, I kind of wrote about this, that it could be a thing where a lot of people are involved. We haven't even mentioned – Demario McCall's name, I think he probably won't be that much of a, a, a factor in the actual running game. But I, I, I like what you said earlier, that it could be a week-to-week thing at some point this year where guys have been a little banged up or some guys who were banged up are now getting healthy, but how healthy are they? Who's ready to actually play? And just because you start, maybe somebody else is in there on the second series or third series, and now somebody else is in there on the next series. Like I think it could be a mixture of things depending on just how how things are unfolding on a week-to-week basis. And I want to make this point. I think it is a very different situation rotating running backs because you don't really have a number one running back versus rotating running backs because you feel like you have two number one running backs. Yes. When you feel like you have two number one running backs, although this goes against the NFL, but it's basically the 2018 Ohio State model, I think they screwed up Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins by trying to appease both of them and I think if you have two really good guys you might have to bite the bullet and and at least in some way and I know I know I know Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb I know the examples but I think it helps a star running back get into rhythm and feel like he's the guy right if you're trying to patch it together then okay then it's like well you know this guy's keeping guys fresh that helps them the defense is worn down a little bit here in the second quarter now here comes our third running back he's fresh that makes sense to me. So I do think – I don't love running back rotations. Give me the star running back every time. But I get it more when you don't have one. And that's what I think they're going to be in this situation here. They don't have one. They don't have 
a J.K. Dobbins or an Ezekiel Elliott or a Beanie Wells. So what are you going to do? We're going to use a bunch of guys to try to create a, a Frankenstein's monster that, you know, in some way replicates what that one guy could do. Some of the quote unquote, no way answers that we got. And this actually, this first one might actually be a no, but answer as well in its own way from the five, eight, five, they start off with, ah, ha, 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 ha. I guess that's a laugh. No in caps. If you can't make it big in the big offense, no size and no defense conference on a playoff team that's known for huge points and yards, how are you going to hop to a new offense in a better conference and suddenly be the best, especially when you know Wisconsin's going to give someone the ball 30 times a game minimum. Sermon will be Antonio Pittman if we're lucky, and that's more than good enough to win a title. So I think that was kind of an interesting kind of turn on a dime was like he's not – there's no way he can translate what he did even at his best from the Big 12 to the Big 10 – but all he's going to be is a first-team All-Big Ten running back, which is what you said Antonio Pittman was, and Ohio State's still going to win a national title. They kind of ran the gamut of all possible angles on this question in one answer. Yeah, I'm going to – you keep running through. I'm building up to what I think – We have, you'll have to make the determination of if whether you think this should be an entirely separate market down Monday because I can feel it building to this question I now have in my head, which relates to this, but is slightly different. It might just be a spinoff that you and I do right now. But the more people talk about this, the more I hear from the texters, my mind is, is working overtime. So keep going. Here's some other doubts from the 217, which I've referred to the 317 as my old stomping grounds, but the 217 is my, that's like my birthplace stomping grounds. That's Oh, just it was beautiful for me to see that area code pop up. Just bean fields and Mountain Dew as far as the eye can see. Uh, no, I'm not that optimistic. Why was he not used more at Oklahoma? It wasn't because they had a star running back ahead of him. He will obviously be a step up from Master Teague, but he will be a step or two down from J.K. Dobbins. I also wonder about his health, given he missed four games for injury. Uh, 386 uh, From the 386, no, he will not be first team Big Ten. Not a talent issue, but an opportunity issue. Too many unknowns, but the odds are more likely a committee than single contributor. Not impossible, just more likely than not. And from the 617, no, that's a tall order for, to ask for from any player, no matter what background or experience they have. Big 10 play is more physical than the Big 12 will be tougher to accomplish. And that, I think, is a fair concern, and we talked about it before. Like, does he have the uh, the toughness? That Has that been, you know, trained into him I guess at this point or will he just be able to withstand the punishment that a big 10 running back is expected to take that maybe you didn't have to take in the big 12 in some ways I will say though in Trey Sermon's defense the other thing we haven't really talked about is just his kind of personal motivation for this season it's a guy who to use the buzz phrase lately on Buckeye Talk fell out of favor a little bit at Oklahoma lost what had been kind of his lead role there to someone else has to grad transfer, is coming off an injury. Um, you know, you mentioned before how he wasn't carrying the ball a lot last year. I think there are people out there who probably think he needs to prove himself from a workload standpoint a little bit if he wants to play at the next level, which someone like Pro Football Focus thinks he has the, the clear talent to do that. So there's, you're, coming, you're getting a guy who has a lot of hunger, and maybe that helps boost what we've seen from him so far in terms of just talent and skill. I've been thinking about that uh... – Restaurant chain bracket that we said we're going to do. Uh-huh. What if we call it the fell out of flavor restaurant oh. bracket? I feel like fell out of flavor could be a t-shirt slogan for us because it encapsulates a lot <laughs> of what we do that we, we talk about people falling out of favor. We at times fall out of favor with our listeners, but we also talk about flavor and we have flavor. 
anyway, I don't know what else you said. I was just like really thinking about that stuff. He's motivated. Yeah. He's falling out of flavor. Yeah. Yeah. God. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. Motivated, motivated. But again, I mean, that takes just, that takes you so far. Right. And if he's great, we'll all write about that because he'll talk about how motivated he was. And JK, you know, talked last year going into last year, Mm -hmm. how motivated he was, but it wasn't just that he was motivated. It was that like he changed his body. Um, I think he got smarter with how he ran. He stopped trying to hit home runs. Like he had tangible effects. It wasn't just like the intangible. I have motivation. It was like JK Dobbins sort of changed who he was and remembered who he was in how he played. And then there were absolute tangible effects on the field that we all saw. Which is the text that you wanted to get to? So one is that I know this guy, we just talked about uh, the texter sending stuff in, and I know he's telling his wife, man, I can't believe they didn't say my name. Oh, Um, I even asked him how to pronounce it. Oh, you got that guy, Robert? And then I forgot to check back. Let me see if he responded. Okay, so I'll say that for you because he said, he said, yo, fellas, do I get credit for sending in the PFF link that sort of led to us noticing that Trey Sermon, is that how you noticed it, Nathan? Because of the link? Does Robert no, I just, it, it anyway? I just, I just happened to see it. I was running, I was reading back all through all of them, and he was one of the first ones to to send in. So yeah, very first um, one. So Robert, yeah, he said, I um, do I get credit for sending in the PFF link about Trey Sermon? Uh, I'd brag to my wife all week if I heard my name on the greatest Ohio State podcast ever. So did he tell us how to pronounce it? I don't think I've seen a pronunciation. Okay, so his first name's Robert, and the last name is either Capavilla or Capavia. C-A-P-O-V-I-L-L-A. So, Robert, we appreciate it. You deserve the credit. Thank you for helping us. Thanks to all the texters who, like, send in stuff that, like, we didn't see. You know, we're pretty aware of what's going on, but sometimes in the nooks and crannies of college football, we don't catch everything. So we appreciate when people help us uh, do our job. So thanks to Robert for all of that. Um, Here's a stat that I wanted to talk about, and here's the side market down Monday that I don't know, Nathan, if you wanted to do as a separate podcast or to work in here. And it's a twofold question, and maybe it's two two more Market Down Mondays. One is, will Ohio State have a 1,000-yard rusher this season? And the other is, who will lead Ohio State in rushing this season? And those are linked. And what I want to point out is this. Ohio State has had at least, has had a 1,000-yard rusher every season dating back to 2011 and 2011 was the screwed up year. So sometimes I just throw out 2011 and I kind of don't count it when I'm doing stuff like this. So not counting 2011, the last time they didn't have a thousand yard rusher was 2009. In 2012, when they had it, Carlos Hyde almost got there. He had 970 Braxton Miller as a quarterback was the thousand yard rusher that year. But since 2013 on, they've had a thousand yard running back. So, I want to note 2011 and 2009, the screwed up year. And then 2009, I think, is a little more valuable because that was like a pretty good year, right? That was the year they got to number one. No, is that the year they got to number one? No, I guess not. They lost to USC early in 2009. 2010 is the year they got to number one. But 2009 was still a pretty successful year. And they shared the load. And I wonder if this is what it might look like. So let's do 2011 first, the screwed up year. Here were their rushing totals in 2011. Braxton Miller, 715 yards. Dan Heron, 675. Carlos Hyde, 566. Jordan Hall, 408. 
Rod Smith 116. Now, Dan Heron was suspended for part of that year, so that factored into why he only had 675. 2009, probably a, a better comparison then. 2009 season, rushing yards. Terrell Pryor, as the quarterback, led the team in rushing, 779. Brandon Sane, 739. Dan Heron, 600. Jordan Hall, 248. So Heron and Sane were basically a two-headed monster at running back last year, but neither of them had as many yards as the quarterback who could run. And all Big Ten that year, the all Big Ten running backs were Evan Royster from Penn State and John Clay from Wisconsin on the first team. And Brandon Sane, who also had about 200 receiving yards that year, Brandon Sane made second team as a co-running back on a pretty darn good Ohio State team. Nathan, that idea, 2009, you have a quarterback who can move, two running backs who basically share the load, and then a third guy in Jordan Hall who is mixed in a little bit. Is that possibly what this looks like, do you think? Yeah, I think it's very possible, if not likely, that that's what it looks like. I think to answer your two-headed question, I think I would probably say I would probably still take Trey Sermon to lead Ohio State in rushing, especially if he is the guy – getting the bulk of the carries against the softest part of the schedule early while the, some other guys are still mending, still getting their legs back under them, literally. Uh, but I also think that with his history, with the um, maybe less of a clear separation talent-wise between him and a healthy Teague and Chambers, or I should say Crowley and Chambers, um, there's just enough other options there. And with Justin Fields, I think I might take under a thousand yards and then that's going to look like a little interesting blip, maybe in Ohio state history, where you go from JK Dobbins, 2000 blip where it's no thousand yard rusher for the first time in uh, a decade. And then the Travion Henderson, um, runs for 3000 tenure begins. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking the under 3000, uh, in any single season, but yes. So, so, I might actually take Justin Fields to lead the team in rushing hmm. if you think it breaks down in a similar way like that. And the question is, like, do you think Justin Fields could run for 60 yards a game and finish with 700-something, let's say? Although if, you, if they play 15 games, it'd be more than that. Um, could he finish with, like, 820 – Trey Sermon finishes with 790. Master Teague finishes with 640. Marcus Crowley finishes with 430. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm -hmm. and 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 I might just lean on Justin Fields because, like, I know Justin Fields is going to be on the field. And if I'm trying to pick one of the other three, I'm not exactly sure which one I would pick. And again, is it one of the other six? Because I again, I mean, so we're talking about Trey Sermon, Marcus Crowley, and Master Teague mostly. But we also have to talk about Steel Chambers and Mayan Williams and Demario McCall. There's really six guys, right? So I just might like punt on trying to pick a running back and pick Justin Fields to lead Ohio State in rushing yards and have have two running backs right behind him, but that he's on top. Justin Fields averaged hold on, I did the wrong math. Averaged about ten carries a game last year, a little under ten. 9.8, and that includes the sacks he took. Right, so it involves him letting it rip a little more. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not going to pretend I know how this is all going to look. So I don't like I'm market. I I am not standing like firmly on this. I am not all that declarative with my no on Trey Sermon. What I've mostly been about, if I've been, you know, less than effusive about Trey Sermon, is trying to cautious caution people to not overhype him, to not count on him too much. Um, I don't think it's going to keep them from getting where they want to go, but I really don't know. I can't say that I have a feel for how the running backs are going to shake out, and I can't say I have a feel for how the running game is going to shake out, and it's one of the things I'm most look for, looking forward to seeing in the season because, again, I'm not afraid to be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. Big whiff from Cleveland.com. Uh, last year's sent, 9-3. and three. This year's sent, uh, Trey Sermon is overhyped. Uh, we like to have different seasonal uh, things for people to try. I'm sure I'll have many more down the line, but I'm not real firm on this. I, I realize this could be a big whiff by me. And, like, again, if we're at the end of the year and it's like, hey, isn't that weird how Mayan Williams led Ohio State in rushing yards? I don't know. I think that's a 2% chance too. But you really have – we have two options from the Doug Lamery's Cologne line this year. You have – the that you have Trey Sermon is overhyped, but not necessarily bad. You're just saying that maybe the hype has gone too far on him, and you're also putting out your other scent, which is 15 and 0 national championship. So I think that's an important thing to make sure people are are looking at and contrasting that it's 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 still. I don't think that necessarily changes the ceiling of this team. I don't think he has to be. J.K. Dobbins, great, first-team All-Big Ten, great, in order for Ohio State to be a national championship contender. Also, a limited edition that tech subscribers will get the first shot at, a limited edition sent, what's the deal with Corey Dennis, also being released very soon. <laughs> um, I agree. So, again, we this discussion was, will he be first-team All-Big Ten? You could have ten different discussions about Trey Sermon that bring up different – answers but you end up talking about the same thing and so my overall like Trey Sermon thing whether it relates to the team winning whether it relates to him getting awards whether it relates to his stats is I don't think he's going to be great I think he's going to be fine I think they're better off with him than without him and I think the running game will be good enough for them to win a lot that is my general view of the running backs I agree Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up? No, I think I'm good. Just uh, thanks again to everyone who keeps the uh, the tech subscriber stuff going. Um, it's just really fun, and I I feel bad sometimes. You know, Nathan and I, you you and I both go through these. I mean, like we got well, you said we got well over a hundred responses on this, oh, yeah. and we read them all. When we do the questions like this, like we do read them all, but we just can't say them all. But I hope the people who take the time to text realize that you do help shape our opinions. You help let us know how Ohio State fans are thinking. That informs us not just when we read your question directly, but it's how we talk about things in the podcast, the vibe we get from people. Um, and it's, it informs like the kind of stuff that we write. And again, I, I, wanna, I want us to do this a little bit more, Nathan, because I was thinking about this. It always I used to think, like, um, isn't it weird if people listen to our podcast, but they never read us, right? Like, man, why don't they read us? I thought, but I know, like, there are podcasts that I listen to that I never read the sites. Like, I yeah. listen to podcasts from 538 
when they're analyzing politics. I don't ever read 538. I listen to like other like political or culture podcasts from sites. I never, I almost never read the ringer. I listen to ringer podcasts. So if you are one of those people, I get it. And that's why we try to do things for different audiences. Some people read us, some people listen when the season's going on, we do a lot more videos. Some people watch us on YouTube, but if you, if you're not in the habit of reading us, but you do listen to the podcast, one thing I want us to do, Nathan, I think and do a better job of is not just saying read the site, but maybe mentioning some of the things that we specifically are writing. So I did write a thing um, for this morning on Friday morning. This is the Monday podcast, but it came out Friday morning about what if the Clemson success against Ohio State is some kind of payback for Ohio State beating Miami. Miami wasn't in the ACC then, but now Miami and Clemson are like ACC brothers. And maybe Clemson is like standing up for Miami because Miami fell off a cliff. So just some theory, and we're going to get to that because we have a good texture question about it later. Would you trade – would you swap the national championship win over Miami in, in 2002 for the beating Clemson in, in the semifinal in 2019? So I wrote about that. That's on cleveland.com. We'll talk about it on a pod later. Um, but we're doing these Buckeye takes every morning now where Stephen, Nathan, and I, one of us each day, Monday through Saturday – has a little view on what's going on with Ohio State. And I just would encourage you, if you like our voices and you haven't read our writing, try it at cleveland.com slash OSU. Yeah, that's been a great addition. And I also just want to say it's been fun having some text conversations with some of you, some back and forth where we just have some fun. And, and we're up for that too. And as we're going through the workday to just sort of banter about some of these topics and then just some of the, the personal stuff that we brought up on the, the the text. So um, it's a fun conversation. If for those of you who haven't tried it yet, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a thing that brings us money, but it's also a lot of fun. And um, we try to keep it low cost and, and still make it and make it really informative, but also just something that uh, helps, uh, helps us all kind of engage with this community. So thanks a lot for those of you who are texting with us. And thanks to all of you who are listening every week. We will be back tomorrow. That was Buckeye Talk.